Right now? Yep. Okay. Very good. So you said this. Say it again. Breakthrough. 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 A next fab made podcast. A next fab made podcast. All right, I'll try again. Breakthrough. A next fab made podcast. Breakthrough is a podcast series about making. Making discoveries, making a difference in the community, and making the world a better place. It's the stories of startups and inventors who are developing products that have social value by solving real-world problems. It's about artisans and entrepreneurs who have broken through the mold to live their best lives. Welcome to episode number seven of Breakthrough, a NextFab Made podcast series. I'm your host, Ron Bauman, founder of Milk Street Marketing and a member of NextFab. Our guest on this episode is Jesse Garcia, a technical entrepreneur whose bowling accident as a child led to the idea for Tezuda, a collision detection sensor that helps identify potential concussions. After experiencing high-impact collisions throughout her life playing softball and rugby, Jessie has devoted her life to preventing the long-lasting effects of concussions. Good morning, Jessie. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us this morning. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. So we're here at NextFab South Philadelphia in your project space for Tezuda. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, a little bit about myself. Uh, my name is Jesse Garcia. I'm the CEO and founder of Tezuda, and we manufacture head impact sensors for concussion awareness. Um, but I guess before I got into all of this, I was an athlete my whole life. I loved playing sports and realized there was a a big need for people to know when they get when they get hit too hard and <laughs> to know if they have a concussion. So do you played sports? What did you play? Yeah, so growing up I played softball. Okay. I like traveled competitively um uh starting at the age of 6 um and just traveled like nationally for that and then um when I went to college, I was at a club fair and someone was like, you look like a rugby player. And I like <laughs> was like, yeah, I'm going to try rugby and, and fell in love with that sport. Um, now, did you have a concussion at some point that prompted all of this? Yeah. So I've, uh, I've always been hardheaded. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I've always been hardheaded. Um, and I have a history of concussions actually. Oh, wow. So my first concussion actually happened in bowling. Believe really? it or not. Yeah. Like people are always like, this is the safest sport ever. And I'm like, <laughs> tell us about that. Yeah. All about so, um, it was my eighth birthday party and I was tying my shoe and my friend like went back with the bowling oh ball God. and like knocked me unconscious. So that was my first concussion. And then, but I was knocked out cold. So that was always that. And then playing softball, um, I got hit in the head with the softball, also knocked out cold. So it was like very clear instances wow. of being hurt. But the one that was my worst one was in rugby. And what was crazy about it was that I wasn't knocked unconscious. I was going in for a try, which is like a touchdown, you know, touchdown right. equivalent. And uh, got blindsided by this girl and uh, just kept playing. And three days later, my coach emailed me and was like, Jesse, I was looking at the footage. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, you were definitely concussed. Um but even though I wasn't knocked out, it was my worst one because I did it. I did everything wrong to recover. Did you have, I mean, did you know at the time that you had taken a shot? I mean, at that point, I knew or? I took a shot, but like, I just, 
You didn't have any effects or anything like that? I didn't know that what the effects even were. Right. And that, that was back in 2009. So I remember if I think about it, I was like, oh, like, why am I making myself go cross-eyed? Like, why do I have such a bad headache after this right. game? And um, I struggled. You had symptoms, but you didn't really know it. That yeah, they were symptoms I, of I a concussion even, at the time. Correct. Like, there mm-hmm. just wasn't a lot of education about it. Uh, it was a club team, so we didn't have a trainer on site. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least my coach, you know, noticed three days later, like, hey, don't play for the next couple of weeks. Right. Um, but I really struggled in school. I had a hard time reading and writing for about six months. I had constant headaches. My lack of, like, there was a lack of focus. So I really struggled. And I think, or I know it was because those 24 hours after the injury happens are really critical mm-hmm. with how your recovery will be later on. And like I said, I just didn't even know to take care of myself. And that's kind of where this whole product was inspired by. So you're, the coach of, the, of your rugby team, you know, notices that, you, you know, you were obviously taking some, you know, taking a shot. You were, you know, suffering some effects, tells you not to play for a couple of weeks. At what point did you realize that these other symptoms were a result of that, that hit? Yeah. Um, I mean, was it a couple months later? It took as you a couple running? months. Like it really took a couple of months to realize that this was the lasting effects of an undiagnosed concussion. Um, I did not have guidance from a doctor. I, you know, my coach at least sat me out for mm-hmm. the, and it was funny. I actually wanted to play right, I'm because sure. that's like a common symptom. Like, Oh, like I'm fine. And I didn't think anything of it, but realizing like, wow, like why am I struggling so much in school this semester? Like, right. why is it taking me 20 minutes to read one page of a book? Like that, uh, that really like made me realize what was going on. And, um, then so what, I just started educating myself and realizing it was that. Was there anything that could be done at that point? I mean, medically. No. You sort of had a There's rehab. And- at that time, there, there was like some rehab things going on, but mm-hmm. as a college student, that wasn't necessarily like in the top of my mind that I have to go to rehab or even go to a doctor to get checked right. out. And, um, you know, hindsight's 2020 that I'm like, I could have done things a lot differently. And, um, I've always, you know, how I always put it, I was always a student athlete. Like I wasn't trying to go pro for rugby or for softball. Uh, um, I always put my academics first and I wish I would have just known. And that's kind of where. Do you still feel any of the effects today? I do feel a little different. Yeah. If that makes, I don't know how sure. to describe it. Uh, not that I'm cognitively like different, but. My, I used to like read through, but like just go through crazy, like reading really fast, mm-hmm. speed reading. Lately, I just do a lot of audiobooks mm-hmm. for like my content. And it's just like the lack of, uh, able to focus and like move as quickly as it is. It is frustrating. Jesse continued to tell us about her time as a student athlete at Lehigh University, how she got the idea for Tazuda and where she found her entrepreneurial spirit. So I majored in global studies okay. and did minors in entrepreneurship and okay. gender studies Okay. Uh, while I was an undergrad. So I was like, my academic career took a lot of like crazy turns. I went into school thinking I was going to do like bio pre-med. Okay. So I loved like science, loved biology, mm-hmm. um, 
did great in labs. I loved being hands on. Mm-hmm. Um, in the classroom, like it didn't translate so well, like in the in the bio sense. But then I learned, uh, you know, I was thinking about doing a global studies minor because I loved learning about problems in the world around me, mm-hmm. and you know, fell in love with that major. Uh, and as I was graduating, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I heard about this master's program called technical entrepreneurship. And okay. it was, uh, basically half product design, half business. Okay. And, you know, went into that. Full, at Lehigh. At Lehigh. It was okay. at Lehigh as well. Um, and that's basically where I started developing Tazuda. Cause like the whole idea of the program was like, Think of an issue you've dealt mm-hmm. with personally. Well, that was going to be my next question. Where yeah. did we get the idea for Tazuda? <laughs> yeah, it was just like, you know, like start, um, you know, we took creativity classes mm-hmm. and prototyping classes. So um, at some point during this master's program for technical entrepreneurship, being prompted to come up with an idea, something, a product that solves a problem or an issue, you drew from your own past experiences and came up with the idea for Tazuda. Correct. Yeah, I was able to come up uh, with Tazuda during that the technical entrepreneurship program mm-hmm. at Lehigh. And essentially what it came down to was I was uh, a broke college student, <laughs> you know, and I was playing. As most are. As most are. <laughs> but, you know, I was a broke college yeah. student. Um, I had this injury. I looked into products on the market that would have told me, Jesse, like, stop what you're doing. Right. And there was this $200 mouth guard. And I'm like, wow, like, this is awesome. I go through like four mouth guards a season because mm-hmm. I chew through them or I now, lose them. Was that preventive them. or was that sort of uh, like a what you have to Sim- sense? Similar to, to what we have today, just like that it was an alert to let okay. you know that you have a head injury. And I was like, all right, cool. I would totally buy this if I could. Right. Um, but at 200 pop going, yeah. 400, you know, four times or five times a year. Yeah. It was, it would have been like way too much cross, like definitely way too cross prohibitive. And, um, I started exploring that and I realized my story, I was not alone in that story. Mm -hmm. You know, 60% of high schools and teams like use refurbished equipment. And as I talked to coaches and players, I realized like, you know, cost is a factor for them as well. So I was just like, how can I make this affordable? How can I, you know, make this accessible for people like me because I wish I could still be playing sports I loved hit, hitting people <laughs> like you know what I mean like there's like I like that's a great feeling to play contact sports and be a part of a team and unfortunately I can't do that just because of my history with head injury so well you're in luck we set up a little rugby match yes. across the street in the park for the awesome. b-roll footage yeah so we're gonna go I'm, yeah no like it's uh I don't know how to describe it but it's it's something that I want people to keep doing safely sure. and at least to know when to stop because, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we know to ice our ankles. We know to like tape up before a game. But, right. uh, since head injuries are an invisible injury, you know, it's a lot harder to know when to stop because your brain can play like funny games with you. You're just like, Oh, like, why am I doing that? And you're, or like, you know, why am I making myself go cross-eyed? And it's like, no, like, right. You you can't control what's happening right now. Yeah. So you're in the technical entrepreneurship program. You come yeah. up with the ideas for Tazuda. You graduate from the program. Then what? What happens yeah, next? I I go to work for my family's business. Okay. <laughs> Which is? Uh, so they do Hispanic food marketing and okay. food brokerage. Okay. So their company is called HAP Hispanic Advertising Promotions. Okay. And they help. Uh, 
you know, large CPG companies enter into the Latino food market. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I grew up around entrepreneurship, seeing with them. They started off doing like supermarket demos, like mm-hmm. street festivals, things sure. like that. And with Tezuda, like Tezuda was an idea at that point. I had just, when I graduated, it was just a provisional patent. Sure. Um, I was still trying to figure out how to make the technology work. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to make it non-electronic, but I didn't know how. Um, so there was like a lot of like testing and nights and the weekends, mm-hmm. but I was just living at home in New Jersey, right. saving, so you're working full time, working full time for, family for them. business and yeah. putting in nights and weekends on your passion. On yeah. Tizuda. Putting in like putting as much time and effort, saving all of my money, like living off, you know, thanks mom and dad. <laughs> like, yeah. Like help, you know, just, um, living as frugally as possible. Cause I knew I wanted to do something with it eventually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think part of that too, I didn't really believe in myself at that point yet. Right. Like who, am, like, I don't know, like who am I to be doing this type of stuff? Like I was a global studies major and had this like crazy career path, but, um, I started gaining more confidence by like learning more skills. Okay. So when I was at home, I took a class on, um, I was like, like forgetting the thing, right? Forgetting. Um, 3D modeling okay. and design. Yeah. So I did that at like community college, okay. uh, taught myself how to do it. Then I took an art welding class for fun to just like start, you know, playing around and being more hands on because I realized that's what I liked from labs. Are you a creative entrepreneur or artisan in the Philadelphia area? Do you want to connect with a creative community that will push you further and support your vision? NextFev is a community where artisans and entrepreneurs help each other learn new crafts, build business, and create new products. Coming in 2020 to the newly revitalized Kensington neighborhood, NextFev is opening up its flagship location for the creative maker. The space will offer over 30,000 square feet of shared workshops for jewelry making, textiles, woodworking, welding, as well as private studio space. Visit nextfab.com forward slash 1800 to sign up for updates about our grand opening. That's nextfab.com forward slash 1800. If you want to make it better, we can help. We look forward to meeting you. Jessie and I then talked about how she found NextFab, how she's learned by working with its members, and the challenges of product development. Yeah, my cousin Nikki, um, she had gone to grad school at Penn. Mm -hmm. She's gotten a job as an architect uh, in a local, um, I think it's called Cano Design in Philly. They had taken a tour here, and she was just like, oh, you should work here because, like, you know, you're working in food brokerage and food marketing and... um, you know, she knew I was trying to break out of that, but I didn't know how yet. Right. I got an interview here at NextFab, and during the interview... What um, position did you interview for? I interviewed for a marketing okay. manager position, um, but during my interview, they're asked, like, what are you doing with Tezuda? And I said, I don't, you know, I don't know, really. <laughs> like, I am working on it, uh, but I haven't really, like, put all my eggs in, into one basket yet, and... Uh, they're like, oh, like, you, sh- you should. Right. <laughs> like, the HR, whoever I was speaking to in HR was just like, you should, you know. They made me, like, think about it. Like, oh, sure. like, why aren't I doing it So they it gave right you a little now? nudge. They gave you a little little shove. Yeah, they totally direction. gave me that little shove. And 
I, um, you know, didn't get the job, but I came to visit and take a tour of NextFab and realized like, okay, if I want to actually make this product, this is the place to do it. So, um, you know, took a big leap of faith and quit my job and moved, you know, with my fiance, Chris, like moved to Ben Salem or the Philly area and, you Where know? were you at originally? I was in Clifton, New Jersey. Okay. So yes. a little farther up north. Yeah, like further up north. And that, and that was the other crazy thing, too. Is that where you grew up? I grew up in Bloomfield, New Jersey, okay. which is like right outside sure. Lake Nork. Um, and then like my parents like moved to Clifton after. And they were like, why don't you find something in New York, like closer to home? So uh-huh. you could still live at home. And like they were really trying to push me to like stay. Sure, of course. And that was the crazy <laughs> thing. There was nothing in those areas. Like you would think like New York City, like I think nothing they had. Nothing like this. No, no. Like, and then the other like maker spaces are very much connected to schools. Sure. So you could find them at local universities. But if you're not a student, you don't have access. Um, so it was either Philly, Pittsburgh, or San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And then Philly, Philly was closest. You know, yeah, Philly, <laughs> Philly was closest. Uh, Chris got a job like up in Warminster, so it made sense to. So you settle into idyllic Ben Salem. Idyllic in ben Lower Sa- Bucks County. <laughs> yeah. I know it very well. <laughs> yeah, idyllic Ben Salem. It's been great so far. Um, and then, you know, just got a dedicated desk here. So I was just... My that was my question. So what was your first, like, membership level? Like, how did you first become a member? What was that like when you first started here? Oh, when I first started here... You I started only- as a full-time member right from the get-go? I... Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I great. started a full-time member. You were like, I'm diving right in. Yeah, and I bought, like crazy class package because i was like i'm gonna learn everything like so i was like metal shop uh you know lathe vertical mill mig tig pulse welding laser cutting illustrator 3d i was like i want to know how to use everything here software tools everything software tools everything because i was like this is what i'm gonna need to build this product so why not at least well especially in the beginning too it was just myself working on it mm-hmm. um actually we had met an intern matt matt natalowitz he was like our first intern for tazuda he was from jersey and mm-hmm. he like ca- uh, came and like moved in with us for the first like summer nice crazy like people always uh, uh julie who was in hr here she uh she always laughed she's like it's crazy that you did that. But he was awesome and we, we got him like hooked up and mm-hmm. basically helped me start making the product like along, you know, going from just 3D printing to actually fabrication in the metal shop. And so that was sort of the prototyping phase was, you know, you were making 3D models or using a 3D printer to create basic prototypes. Talk about that product development process here at NextFab and how they helped with that and helped guide you through that. Yeah, um, definitely started 3D printing, like you said, for the majority of our prototypes. And then we realized that we need a little bit more repeatability and tolerancing mm-hmm. when it came to how the device activated and worked. Mm-hmm. Um, then we, that's when we started moving into the metal shop and we started using the lathes okay. a lot to make, uh, like small tubes by hand. Okay. And we would, um, get much better like quality control mm-hmm. using like the leaves. And um we got to the point though where <sighs> I was like the the sensor functioned a little differently at the point. It was a magnetic base 
Spencer. Mm-hmm. It's spring base now. Um, but we got to the point where we're like, okay, how do we make a hundred of these? Right. And we knew we had, since we had a mechanical device, we knew we had to go into injection molding. Okay. And so that was like when I started talking to people at Nexpo, I was like, hey, like, can you connect me to some manufacturers in the area? And they did. But all the manufacturers contract, uh, you know, quotes came back for around like 30, 50K wow. a pop for a mold that we don't even know if it would translate into how the device would work. Right. If that makes sense. Sure. Um, so I was like, I'm going to blow through all my savings that I like worked really hard for to do. Um, and then we bought our first tabletop injection molding machine. Okay. Um, it used to make like golf tees. Okay. So it was like, you know, like you just like load the plastic. It was really hard to even like get it to like, it was a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked. We, we shot plastic. We like taught ourselves how to use the Haas mm-hmm. or, um, you know, Matt and Chris on our team like taught taught themselves how to use the Haas and make molds. And, and then we realized, okay, like we can get better at this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I bought the machine behind us off of eBay. Once we realized the tabletop wasn't sufficient enough, mm-hmm. we bought that machine off eBay. Um, also didn't work <laughs> when we first <laughs> bought it. Um, and it took about like nine months of refurbishing it with Chris to like get it up and running to like make parts and, Learn the mold making behind it, so it's it's, it's been a journey. It's been a it's process. been a crazy journey. <laughs> but look at all the cool things you know how to do now. Yeah, I learned by being hands on mm-hmm. for sure, and this is definitely the place to to play and fail and and keep learning. Um, and I've also have learned a lot by just bringing on really great team members. Mm-hmm. Um, who know a lot more than I do. <laughs> well, that's always important. That's always, it's right. always super important. And I, I do look at, um, like the staff of NextFab kind of like an extension of our team. Sure. So, uh, so when we're like doing things in the metal shop, like we always know that there's someone who knows a little bit more than even that we do to like refine it mm-hmm. to that next level that we need it to be. We went on to discuss the NextFab community how Jesse employs various methodologies, and her dedicated project space for Tezuda. Being up in the incubator space, um, it's really motivating to be around such an energetic uh, environment mm-hmm. because you see other companies starting up, um, struggling, succeeding, and it just kind of like, motiv- you know, gives you that motivation every day to like, keep going even when you have a bad day because like that uh you know lots of highs and lows when it comes to building a startup and a and a product because some days it works great sometimes it doesn't and you have to figure out why not and um everyone up there is really encouraging and it's nice that um during different stages of development you could you know talk to charlie next door charlie's company just raised a ton of money. So I'm like, Hey, like, how do I start fundraising? And you know, you could chat with him about it or, um, you know, people come to us. They're like, Hey, like you injection mold stuff. Like how do we design for injection molding? Right. So it's really collaborative. There's a lot of shared knowledge. Oh yeah. Like if, and that's the crazy thing. It's like our team knows it a lot, but when we don't, which happens, we could go you know, 10 feet out. Gonna yeah. Know the someone's <laughs> going to know the answer. Right. And if not put us in the right per like, Find the right person. Make that connection. 
Yeah. So it's a great it, resource to have. Oh, it's a huge resource, and you know we don't leave here a lot, but like you could do so much. That's a recurrent <laughs> theme that we're hearing from people that are here. When we ask, I just conversationally ask, "Where do you live?" My, the most common answer is here. <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally here. Like it's um, it's so convenient to have every type of tool you would need to make something in one place, because like I said, there you know. You could go to a library and they might have a 3D printer and a laser cutter, but they don't have any electronics section or it, this is just everything under one roof. Um, I love the metal shop. I think is a huge aspect with scaling, um, manufacturing and production. Um, and you're one of the few member companies or members that actually hit almost every department in NextFab. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. We are, you, yeah. We are utilizing the metal shop for all of our mold and tool making. Okay. We are using the wood shop for some of our assembly fixtures, mm-hmm. uh, laser cutters for assembly fixtures, 2D printing for marketing materials, <laughs> electronics. So even beyond product development, actually helping oh, you grow yeah. the business. Oh, yeah. Like when something like, you know, we could basically fix anything on our machine here if we need to like run maintenance on it or... um you know, stickers for like trade shows that like, just like little like nice touches that you would always have to outsource that somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, and you just could do it yourself, which saves a lot of money, at least in the get go until you could, you know, outsource it eventually. But for right now it's perfect. So you started out as a full-time member. You had dedicated desk. You have an office up in the incubator space. Yes. And your footprint has been expanding. And now we're here. You have <laughs> yeah. your own project space. Mm-hmm. Tell us about some of uh, the little trinkets in that we have yeah. and all these, these uh, things that we have around so, here in your project space. Yeah. So we mostly moved into the product project space um, for testing capabilities. So mm-hmm. we had to build a test rig okay. to do drop testing with um, our sensors. So that's what's back there. And we can attach helmets, drop um, in any orientation we want to do to the different, uh, specs and uh-huh. testing. So you don't just put the helmet on and run into a wall? <laughs> I've done it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, we have that. Um, we have our injection molding back here. Mm-hmm. So I have a, a dry hopper. So we treat our plastic, could run the machine. Um, I have ultrasonic welders. So we could fuse plastic together, um, with hermetic seals. We do have a little CNC machine that we're actually hacking. We we could use it as a CNC machine to cut uh-huh. metal, but we use it as a spring length tester. So we're uh-huh. using like the touch probe for quality assurance. Interesting. Um, because like any variance of the tolerance in the spring um, will change how the device works. So we test all of our springs there and assembly table. We have a helmet to helmet test rig too. So. A little, little bit of everything. Right. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, so yeah. So it's, it's been a great space. Is I like that it's a raw space because mm-hmm. I built it out for exactly what we needed. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's nice that not only do we have their equipment right next door, mm-hmm. but we have our, you know, the tools that we need. Next, we learned about how Jesse launched Tezuda, how it works, and where she derives her passion for keeping people safe from the effects of concussions. This is an exciting year for us because we're finally in production okay, for selling. So that yeah, it's 
it's been a, a long process of R&D. And the crazy thing that I like to think of is that we actually developed a new technology, which sound, I don't know, I'm really, proud pr- of I'm really proud of it. Yeah, super, super proud of it. Um, but it took a lot of R&D um, to figure out how it works, how to calibrate it. Um, so yeah, so we're going into the market this year, mostly with direct-to-consumer, direct-to-team okay. product. And we're, you know, scaling our production capabilities. We finally found like an assembly group that's okay. putting together all of our products. And, um, the goal is to get these out onto as many different mediums as possible or different, you know, applications sure. like, uh, mostly team sports, recreational sports and, uh, so tell us a little bit about how it actually works. So it goes into any type of football helmet or any like hockey helmet. Uh, what's the type? I mean, is it retrofitted into any sort of sporting headgear? Yeah. So it's a, a tiny device. Okay. It's about the size of a AA battery. Okay. And how the tech works is that it's a spring-based mechanism that holds two balls in place horizontally. And we calibrate the the spring to dislodge at certain g-force levels either linearly where the spring will compress out of place or rotationally where um the balls will rotate the spring out of place so it how we looked at like the two um masses or like the two balls that are in the in the spring or i'm sorry in the the sensor itself move independently like your brain does so with a concussion your brain will like slosh back and forth Uh and will hit like your skull causing like that tbi and we just thought of how basically how the balls act in the sensor is how your brain kind of mimics or like the force that it feels so you could get hit in any direction Mm -hmm. um you don't even have to hit your head for the device to work or to trigger because it it just works independently like feeling the force of whatever your body feels interesting have you had any attention from like the NFL teams or NHL or professional sports? I mean, I, you would think that this is, you know, something they would jump on, like, you know, or against I, the manufacturers who make the helmets, right? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, um, no interest from the NFL just yet. Uh, um, I'm sure you will. <laughs> yeah, you know, what? one day, but we have, um, I, my focus is more the youth and, and the kids, sure. like, under the college age. Um Mostly because I think they are the most. (laughs) Yeah, I I was just gonna say like that's where the most athletes are. Mm -hmm. You know, young like as you get into the NFL, like the size of players gets a lot smaller. But um, they just they're to me like the most important demographic of knowing that hey, like if you recover safely, you know, and I'm sorry, recover properly Mm -hmm. after an injury like this, like you could keep playing until you're in the NFL or, you know, aspirations of being there. Um, You might not have, and you won't have these lingering effects, you know, as you grow older, like we're seeing some of these, you know, unfortunate cases that are happening with people who suffered concussions and didn't know it. And, you know, they get later in life and they're having major issues, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say we're more focused on youth and high school, college level players. Um, we do have adults that use it, mm-hmm. um, you know, just for their personal interests. Like, um, we have some motorcycle riders, um, adult hockey players, mm-hmm. um, and even construction workers using oh. that too. So we do have different activation levels based sure. on age and level of play, but I'm, I'm focused on the, the majority of people 
rather than the pros. Wow. But if they yeah, if they want it, I'm ready. No, so. I, I, think great, I think that's a great place to apply your focus. Yeah. So where are you finding passion and inspiration today and moving forward? You know, what's really driving? I mean, we know your background. We know your connection to the product and how you got there. Yeah. Uh, what's what's really driving that passion at the um, end of the day? I was pissed off. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah, I don't know if that's a, a good yeah. answer, but like, great I was, I was pissed off that like, one, I had to struggle with this type of injury, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't like, how could I not know I was hurt? Like, that just boggled my mind. Mm-hmm. I was angry that I couldn't afford the one thing that was out there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, I, I have to do that. And then I found out I wasn't alone in that. Like, tons of people felt the same way. Like, they, wanted a device to let them know that they were safe or, you know, might have a head injury and Mm -hmm. they knew that they couldn't afford a lot of the tech out there. So I was like, that's what motivates me is that there are a lot of people that are in my exact situation that I was and love sports and, you know, want to keep playing and that's what I could do. And I'm just trying to stay really disciplined and focused and, um, you know, bring this bring this product to life with the uh, the awesome team that we've we've developed. We concluded by discussing women in the field of hardware technology, her other projects at MaxFab, and as always on Breakthrough, advice for aspiring entrepreneurs. Being in manufacturing, it's um, it always catches people not like catches people off guard that we actually like manufacture our own product. Mm. Um, but I wish I would have gotten into it sooner, mm-hmm. uh, at least in, like, my academic career. I didn't realize, like, what I like to do was make things. Right. And at the end of the day, that's what I like to do. I like to make things and I'm making this product. And, um, you know, I think there are some people that had a lot of disbelief with this tech and how our approach is so different. And, oh, like, why wouldn't you go IoT or electronic, which we could have, but... Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just like, no, like, I, I listened to our users, and I I did that. So um, there's some skepticism, I think, with, you know, mm-hmm. I think uh, from our company, or maybe because I am a, a female entrepreneur, but I, I love it. It just kind of, like, drives me, and I want to prove them wrong. I want to prove them wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, for sure. I definitely want to I want to prove them wrong and, and show them that we could uh, create an, an amazing solution differently. And if you like to make things, you're obviously in the right place here at Next Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> I was like, when I have free time, I'm building other things. Um, what other kind of things? <laughs> I like welding. Okay. Welding's my favorite. Oh, I, nice. uh, I, well, it's been a, a long process of building my bookshelf. Oh, nice. But, yeah, when I, when I have some free time, it's really relaxing. Yeah. Just to, like, follow the little bead and... And do that. I make all my presents. I don't buy anything anymore. So. <laughs> That's great. We, uh, last question for you. Yes. What advice would you give to young budding entrepreneurs out there? Ooh. Start with whatever skill level you have. So I started with model magic clay. I would literally show up and had this little <laughs> mouth guard and it was made out of like model magic. And I'm like, Hey, if this could, you know, tell you, you might have a concussion, like, would you buy it? And mm. everyone was like, yeah, like this is, uh, this is awesome. Except I hate mouth guards. What? And, <laughs> um, 
you know, I just need to be able to afford it. And so whatever skill level you have, you just have to start. It doesn't matter if it's a sketch, Mm -hmm. a really crappy scratch or, you know, it's not refined. Like you just have to put yourself out there and keep getting feedback and it will lead you down this crazy path. And, um, you just have to start. So start with whatever level and constantly learn, um, develop your skill set and you'll find the people to help you out fill the gaps that you don't have yourself. How did you come up with the name Tezuda? Tezuda? So, um, uh, Tezuda is actually Tosuda in Spanish, okay. which means hard-headed. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, my um, Aulitortensia, like, always called me Tosuda growing up, and I don't know, I guess I'm the type of person <laughs> when I'm, like, told not to touch something for, like, the millionth time, like, I always have to touch it, or sure. try, and um, I, I don't know, obviously I have big dreams for Chizuda, but I thought, you know, when you hear like the Super Bowl, like brought to you by Toyota, I was like, brought to you by Tezuda. I thought I had like the same type of... Oh, it's got a great <laughs> ring to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've, I've embraced the hard-headed uh, mentality and definitely dedicated to seeing this through and... Well, I think if you want to be a, if you want to be a business leader and an entrepreneur, you have to be hard headed. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. You gotta listen, but you know you gotta keep in those keep... doors, whether you use your foot or your head. <laughs> yeah, but when uh, but when those like challenges come up and you're like, is this worth continuing? You, you gotta keep you gotta keep moving forward. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for speaking with us today. We really appreciate your time. We have big hopes for Tezuda. Thank you. Sounds like you're going places and we can't wait to watch and see where it goes. I appreciate you guys uh, for interviewing me and taking the time today. Awesome. Keep going. All right. We'll see you around the shop. Awesome. Yes, definitely for sure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Breakthrough. I'm your host, Ron Bauman, serial entrepreneur, founder of Milk Street Marketing and NextFab member. If you are enjoying our show, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about how NextFab can help make your ideas come to life, visit nextfab.com and follow hashtag NextFabMade on social to see what our members are making. Come back for our next episode featuring Elena Brennan, a Philadelphia-based fashion entrepreneur who left the world of advertising to follow her dreams and launch her own brand, Bus Stop X.